Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. I am Ben, you are you, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, this podcast has been a long time coming. Uh, why don't we uh, open up the show with uh, First Things First. Shout Out Corners. Okay, it's Shout Out Corner. Today we'd like to start out with a shout out to Tom Sortigen and everyone else listening in Norway. Wow. Yes, and uh, we have a phrase here that I watched a YouTube video on on how to say it correctly. Um, here we go. Hi, Vorden Gorde. Hopefully that's at least somewhere At close. least one of the three of us pronounced it correctly. Yeah. And with our three pronunciation skills combined, maybe it made uh, you know yeah. some kind of sense. I, I think it's supposed to be said at least three times faster than that, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do right. it. Right, we so. sounded like a very drunken person trying <laughs> yes. to speak Norwegian. Well, yeah. shout out to you, Tom. Who's next? We've got Nate Klump. 
And Nate, you're probably working on a bike right now while you're listening to this. And we can only hope that this is the easiest fix that you're going to have all day and you get a little time to uh, go do something for yourself. How or, considerate. You know, I mean, some people, they like the long processes so they can listen to more podcasts. Sure. So, oh, mean, yeah, you're right. I hope that the current bike that you're working on is the hardest job you've ever done so you can finish this podcast. Oh, and they end right. They end together. Just perfect. Because that is very satisfying. It's like yeah. when you pull up to your house and that NPR story ends. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So you don't have to have that, you know, driveway in the car. Yeah. Or it's like when you walk to the microwave and then it stops right as you get right as you approach it. Oh, it's beautiful. Am I the only person who pretends that I'm diffusing a bomb at the last second when I stop a microwave? I always like to open the door with only a single second remaining. Mm-hmm. That's just like a, an OCD thing. Just like an aha to you, <laughs> the sure. microwave. Ha. And our final shout-out for today's shout-out corner goes to Marie Furminger, I uh, hope we're saying that correctly, and her mom, Sabrina. Uh, we had a question about this, right, Matt? Yeah, Marie, we... We're wondering, are you really five years old or is there something you don't want us or your mom to know? Yes. Shout out to you, Marie. And we hope you enjoy the food that your mom has prepared for you. We we assume that it is most nutritious and delicious. And with this, we end our shout out corner. And that brings us to today's episode. Uh, we are traveling from the shout out corner across the globe, taking you with us to, to the upper peninsula mm-hmm. or the lower peninsula. No, to Michigan, to Michigan, to, just by the Great Lakes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because Michigan, if you look at it. As a child, I can see how it'd be very confusing to anyone to say, why is that one state? Yeah, most of what I know about Michigan uh, has come from two places. One, the wonderful Sufjan Stevens record, Michigan, Mm -hmm. which is where he grew up. And if you want to hear a really excellent, epic, sweeping, orchestral piece of uh, music, that's a good place to start. And every song has kind of like personifies a different part of Michigan. That's where I learned about the Upper Peninsula and all that. Um, And then the second place I learned about it, which is very pertinent to our topic today, was the movie Roger and Me, which was... um, Michael Moore's first documentary where he, uh, who, you know, he grew up in Michigan, Flint as well. Um, and he pursues the, uh, then CEO of the General Motors company, Roger Smith, to bring him, take him to task for, um, shutting down all of the, um, manufacturing facilities in Flint, which was the heart of that city's economy. And it just, you know, plummeted the city and its residents into poverty. And, uh, a lot of the issues that we're talking about today likely began back then in terms of infrastructure and um, things not being, you know, looked after. Sure, as the money just wasn't coming in anymore to the to the counties and to the city. Which is an unfortunate story in a country where uh, the manufacturing base was uh, being offshored at such a precipitous rate for a time. Do you, uh, Matt, you have family in Michigan. Uh, yeah, I have family. They, a couple of them live right outside of Detroit, I think they're on the northern side of Detroit, but I'm not exactly positive. And then I've got a whole another section that live just north of Flint. So mm-hmm. basically north and south of Flint. Okay. So roughly 20 miles on one side and 40 or so miles on the other side. So they, I spoke to them this week, actually, right before we were recording this, just to kind of get some idea of what they're seeing, if anything, there. Mm-hmm. And uh, both said that they haven't seen really any effects. They didn't even learn about it until Rachel Maddow talked about it on her show. So how far how far outside of Flint are they? Uh, 20 miles north, and then okay. I think 
I don't know exactly, but closer to Detroit on the south. So the it's, a, it's a different water system. Then, yeah, a completely right? different water system. And they don't know a lot of people personally. One thing that my uh, cousin said is that Flint is such uh, a place where you don't really go to Flint if you're not from Flint. Mm-hmm. It's which is a kind of a sad thing. Um But when you live in that community, you just live in that community. And if you don't, you don't. Right. Not a big tourist base, you're saying. Sure. Yeah. For anything. Well, one thing that Flint, Michigan has, unfortunately, in common with many other cities across the U.S., and this will be a U.S.-centric podcast, one thing that all these cities have in common is uh, a terrifyingly bad infrastructure situation. For quite a few people in the uh, post-World War II era, the United States was seen as the shining beacon of success, despite, of course, the enormous internal problems the country had with discrimination, prejudice on gender and ethnicity and creed and religion. The thing was, there was, it was a booming economy where someone could have what today would be seen as maybe a minimum wage job, but still afford a house. Sure. Maybe one spouse stays at home, afford to raise kids. And, One other thing that was amazing was this infrastructure, the fact that unlike so many other countries, you could hop into the car that you bought, which probably was still an ownership society back then, and you could just drive from one coast to the other and then back, right? No border controls unless you, you know, you go to Mexico or Canada and there's this huge nation with these great roads and that is no longer the case in recent years. This thing has, this infrastructure thing has declined dramatically. According to the American Society of Civil Engineers, people who are paid just to look at this stuff. It's their job, yeah. One in nine of the bridges in the U.S. was rated structurally deficient uh, as of 2013. And that gave the bridges a score of a C+. Plus, which is actually one of the better scores that the United States infrastructure got. Yeah, that's the worst part. Relative to other parts of the U.S. infrastructure, that's relatively good. They have a we have a quote from them that the uh, ASC said at the time. Quote, our infrastructure systems are failing to keep pace with the current and expanding needs and investment in infrastructure is faltering. And there are signs of hope. The ASC's report card that they issued gave a slightly improved grade to infrastructure overall compared to 2009. But that's here's the problem. It's not just a road or a bridge. You know, it, it's something that politically is difficult for pe- to get people to vote for. No one wants to pay a tax for something like that mm-hmm. uh, until, you know. The hurricane hits and the levees break. Yeah, or the bridge collapses. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's looking to point fingers and place blame. Right. Why didn't you do this? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you Why didn't you uh, make us vote the way you wanted us to vote? I mean, and it makes sense because it is unpopular when it comes to getting the job done. No one wants a lane of, of you know, busy intersection closed off. Right. No one wants to be late to work because there's, you know, work being done on the, the you know, the road they drive on. Mm-hmm. No one wants to, you know, have their street dug up and pipes, you know, ripped mm-hmm. out. Exactly. And, you know, and we're moving. 
moving on, obviously, to, you know, the, the big subject of today, which is water systems. And, you know, you got to think about these systems that were in place, you know, just long, long ago. And we've had to kind of just keep repairing and patching and fixing these things little by little. Cause can you imagine what it would take to just put a, let's just put a whole new water system into our, in our, you know, metropolitan city. Right. Especially when we consider how funding arrives those things. Yeah. We won't get too, won't get too bogged down in those details, but just for, just for some perspective, uh, the, the infrastructure report card that we're mentioning projects that water, uh, the, the funding we need to safely restructure the U.S. water system is gonna total out to 126 billion. We have 42 billion of that, and these are 2010 dollars, so appreciate the inflation there. And that means that the Uncle Sam is 84 billion dollars short on an unpopular thing. At the dawn of the 21st century, most of our drinking, much of our drinking water infrastructure is nearing the end of its life. These things, cause you know, these things are constantly in an eroding environment. Water is moving all the time. A lot of this stuff is really old, back before we understood the safety implications. So we have some good and bad news. So there's an estimated 240,000 water main breaks per year in the U.S. alone. Uh, assuming that every single pipe would need to be replaced, the cost over the coming decades could reach more than a trillion dollars, uh, and that's according to the American Water Works Association. Which is crazy, but there's good yeah. news. Yeah, well, the good news is that in a lot of places in the U.S., the drinking water that you're going to get from a fountain that is meant for human consumption is pretty high. Yeah, it's potable. It's I mean, drinkable. yeah, o- overall, it's pretty good stuff, even though the pipes and the mains that are running underneath the city and throughout it are are pretty old, frequently more than a 100 years old. And when they're that old, they need replacement, especially depending on what they're made from. Like There are some uh, older wooden pipes that still exist. There are some pipes that may or may not contain a little bit of lead in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are huge issues with that. And this is because the water is treated, right? I mean, it... Right. The water, the water treatment system is one of the biggest parts. Well, so, and the yeah. good thing about this is that getting sick from drinking the water... Is is a pretty rare thing in this country, right? That's we're gonna. That's uh, that's a great way to set up this point because for quite a few people in the U.S., traveling to another country is is difficult and it's expensive. You know, there there are two oceans on either side, and as a result, sometimes in the international community, people who live in this country are accused of not having an entirely realistic understanding of how how stuff works although i hate yeah. to say it that way in other in other parts of the world and with that being said you know one one of the things that i think escapes a lot of people is just how profoundly important safe water is to any civilization you know there are places around the world where you're just not going to drink the water and it's not it's not because you are not acclimated to bacteria or whatever's in there. It's because no one yes. can drink the water. And this, this sort of sanitation is, is a huge deal. And we are conscious of that, folks, but we are also conscious of the, uh, increasingly deteriorating system 
in here in the U.S. So we have examples for you. In October 2012, Hurricane Sandy knocked large coastal sewage plants offline and caused nearly 42 million cubic meters. That's 11 billion gallons of sewage to go into the water supply. Ugh. What do you do from, from, you know, can you imagine being the people tasked to fix that? All right, guys, let's pump this out of here. Well, it's water and now it's just got sewage in it. Huh. In January 2014, a storage tank in West Virginia that held a chemical used in coal production leaked into the Elk River and it spilled an estimated 40 cubic meters, which is 10,000 gallons, just upstream of the water intake for Charleston, the uh, the state capital there. Now, here's the problem. Almost 300,000 people were without tap water for at least four days when that happened. Now, you have to think, I've been without, I think you guys may have gone through this here in Atlanta somewhere. We've been without tap water for a few days because of some small thing or a main leak or something like that. It's crazy how much of a wrench it throws into your world when you don't have running potable water. Yeah, actually, in my hometown uh, in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, North Augusta, which is the on the border of Georgia and South Carolina, but it's like right over the bridge. They're really close to one another. Um, they have been having all these boil advisories lately. Really? And they haven't quite determined what the problem is, and it, it keeps coming up. Up. It's very strange. And I mean, even just think about that, just like adding that step, having to boil your water and then what do you, you got to cool it again? I guess you ice it or what do you just wait and leave it out and put it in the fridge? I don't know what it just seems like a whole, you know, yeah, a whole or you, to do. You go out and you buy privatized water from someplace in a, in a jug or in. Oh, gallons. sure. Absolutely. And, and it's not cheap. So I don't know. It's, it's crazy. So one of the big points that we're obviously making here, folks, is that. While the situation in Flint, Michigan may have been one of the first to really garner national attention, it's not really unique. It's not especially exceptional in terms of uh, substandard infrastructure. These kind of these kind of breaks are happening in in the modern age. Yeah. Uh, this is not necessarily an isolated incident, and we're going to dive into. Maybe that's a poor choice of words. The situation in Flint, Michigan, after a word from our sponsor. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then... You found yourself subscribed. Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. And we're back. We're back in Michigan. We're back in Flint, Michigan, specifically where things started to go wrong. In recent months, you have no doubt heard about the crisis with lead contamination in the city of Flint, Michigan. Uh, we have a little bit of a timeline that we can walk you through here. In 2011, Michigan takes over the Flint budget. They take over the the town's budget because there were years of rampant poverty, spurred in part by the loss of auto manufacturing, like uh, you mentioned earlier, Noel. Uh, Flint is in a financial state of emergency. Michigan takes over. And when they take over, uh, the governor at the time, uh, Rick Snyder, appoints an emergency financial manager. And this manager was, according to a congressman named Dan Kildee, this manager was hired to do one thing. I'll actually read the quote. You had one job, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. one job. Simply do one thing and one thing only, and that's cut the budget at any cost. Yikes. So one option for a budget-cutting thing is to stop paying Detroit for that sweet Lake Huron water and start using water from the Flint River. Because that's safe, right? Mm-hmm. And so they do a study. This is all in 2011. Mm-hmm. The study finds that for Flint river water to be considered drinkable, it would need to be treated with an anti-corrosion agent and water treatment would cost the state about a hundred dollars a day. Adding this treatment, by the way, in retrospect, would have present prevented 90% of the town's later problems. So these complaints are mounting over the years. Uh, let's, let's fast forward to a little bit more recently in 2014, April. 
Flint officials to combat these rumors about just how terrible water is in Flint. They publicly drink the river water in front of the media. Yeah, uh, the the mayor, right? Right, yes. Okay, so at this point, the mayor's drink the water on television. Everyone's, you know, maybe not everyone, but it looks like it's going to be okay. We're going to switch over to the Flint River. We're running it through a treatment plant. It's going to be okay. So in April 2014, that happens. Now, this is meant to be just a temporary solution, right? This isn't there. The idea isn't to stay on the Flint River water forever. I mean, are they trying? Uh, how how are they going to raise the money to pay Detroit? Yeah, this is just a budget cutting move. I well, see. It's yeah, it's a budget cutting move. So eventually, they're going to get the water from Huron, from Lake Huron, which they're I right see. next to. I mean, I not right next to, Ooh. but it's not far away. So they're thinking maybe two years mm-hmm. they can make a state-run supply line. Problem is that uh, in comparison to Lake Huron's water. Uh, Virginia Tech researchers find that Flint River, the Flint River water supply is 19 times more corrosive. So then in May of 2014 is when the discolored, bad tasting, bad smelling water starts actually making its way into Flint residents' homes via their, their faucets. This stuff is brown. Yeah. Yeah. This stuff is objectively brown. This stuff looks like soup. And, uh, not, not, you know, not a good soup, not a nice bisque or something. And it's not one of those things where maybe there's a little junk, uh, in the system where you turn on your faucet if you haven't turned it on in a long time and it kind of goes out and then you get the nice water. Yeah, you can get a little bit of rust or something like that and then it, uh, it clears out. No, it's not mm-hmm. like that. No, but not to mention the fact that the city officials continue telling the residents it's that fine. it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Pay no attention to the soup in the, in the water glass. Well, and, and then there are, there are large swaths of the population that have to continue using this water because they cannot afford to have another water source, or at least in some way. Well, there's not another water source. They'd have to buy bottled That's water. That's what I'm saying. Okay. They don't have, they don't have the means to go out and buy bottled water. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're talking like not even a boil advisory. Being put into place at this stage. No, the water, the water is fine. That is the party line. In January 12th of 2015, Detroit steps in to offer help. Uh, notably, their water and sewage department says, Flint, people of Flint, financial tycoon or uh, tyrant of Flint, we will reconnect the water supply and waive the connection fee, which was $4 million, at least per the governor's office of Detroit. But, what happens next? Remember that emergency manager? Jerry Ambrose. Yeah. He said, nah, we're good, guys. And and he was just talking about the additional costs that would be involved uh, if, if they wanted to take that water from Detroit. And I think they were looking at around a million dollars a month or something like that. Um, and they're also saying that the city itself doesn't have a connection directly to that Detroit system. Mm-hmm. Uh, since that, that was, I guess, sold by Flint as part of some, some deal that they were making with another county. Right, exactly. Uh, to Genesee County, I believe it's called. So there they are. And at this point, I want to say, I don't want to demonize Ambrose too much because it's got to be a tough thing. There's no money. They're asking you to spend straw into gold. They're asking you to make soup from rocks. And I'm, I'm You gonna- should have listened to our alchemy episode. He should have. Yeah, he should have listened to the alchemy episode. He would have learned something. That's when the EPA starts uh, talking about lead. Uh, the EPA and Michigan's Department of Environmental Quality say, hey, there's a uh, there's a lot of lead in here. 
there's an unhealthy amount of lead, a dangerous amount of lead, and that's in February, uh, a little more than a year ago. So then in July of 2015, there is an internal memo uh, in the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, that gets leaked. And this memo shows the high levels of lead uh, in a particular case, uh, one woman's home, high enough that her son actually got lead poisoning. And this is according to michiganradio.org. Um, and the site also said that the memo was leaked by the ACLU, who actually reached out, contacted the person who wrote the memo. At this point, of course, the party line is still, the water's fine. The water's fine, folks. The water's fine. What Do you, do you want it to be gluten-free? What do you expect? <laughs> then uh, I think it was the regional EPA manager who came forward and said, look, guys, it's too it's too early to make any conclusions, especially based on this one memo. So we're just going to continue continuing on. Right, exactly. So then let's go to August of 2015. Virginia Tech researchers launch their own investigation and they find, uh, they find these elevated levels of lead as well and they go public. Then in September of that same year, the Department of Environmental Quality looked at the research Virginia was doing and disputed the claims about corrosion and, uh, lead poisoning or leaching at least specifically. Then there's actually a pediatrician, Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha, who is seeing these elevated levels of lead in children from certain parts of Flint, seeing them double, triple. Uh, and here's a quote from a very helpful CNN.com timeline that we are pulling from uh, a lot of these details. Uh, quote, when my research team and I saw that it was getting into children and when we knew the consequences, that's when I think we began not to sleep. Jeez. So in October of 2015, the governor at the time announces a plan to uh, reconnect Flint to Detroit's water. Flint's water switches back to Lake Huron. However, by then, the corrosion, that's that's the issue. So the pipes are old and the pipes are lead pipes. That was not as much of a problem when there was a less corrosive water source, given that the Flint River was so much more corrosive than Lake Huron. Uh, what they find is that there's still going to be elevated levels of lead. So in other words, because of the higher corrosiveness of the water in the uh, more polluted water source, which was the Flint River, it's causing the lead in the pipes to actually leach into the water itself to exactly. come detached. Yeah, it could be and- the cleanest water ever that flows through it now, and it, it doesn't matter. You're going to have some some issues. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Eh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if you're using this uh, more polluted water that has different, you know, materials in it that could that could accelerate this process, that's when things become pretty dire. At this point, you know, a lot of the uh, there's really no turning back. I mean, it's very, very difficult to reverse what damage has already been done. And these Virginia Tech researchers uh, actually continue to find elevated lead in Flint water, even though they're at lower levels, but they are still much higher than they should be. The next month, a federal lawsuit is filed by the residents of Flint, Michigan. They filed the lawsuit against the governor, the state, uh, the city, and several other defendants. They say that the Department of Environmental Quality was not, in fact, treating Flint water with an anti-corrosive agent. That's a violation of federal law. This means that, as Nolan and I pointed out earlier, the water was eroding the iron water mains, turning it brown, about half of the lines to Flint homes are made of lead. And this, this is exactly what happened. That's our, that's our sequence of events. That's what they allege in the lawsuit. And, uh, you know, this doesn't happen all the time in lawsuits, of course, but it turns out that they were telling the truth. Uh, the chief of the Department of Environmental Quality quits in December. So these things happen in just month after month. Yeah, yeah. Then as we get into 2016, the governor reached out for the Federal Emergency Management Agency's help, FEMA, our good old friends at FEMA. And um, he ended up activating the Michigan National Guard to actually help get water, bottled water, to people who were in need. And to me, the most mind-boggling element of all of this is that there were multiple points along this process where they could have started to to mitigate some of these problems. But instead, all you see is, nope, 
it's all good. We didn't do anything wrong. Everything's fine. You know, it's all about def- just defending that initial decision, that cost cutting decision to change the water source. Cause in politics, you know, somebody wants to get a pat on the back for saving some money and doing the right thing. Politically speaking, not necessarily, you know, for the people of Flint. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure their hearts were in the right place, but when you realize you've made a mistake of this magnitude, you got to come clean, right? Yeah. So Slate writes, that's our question for today. What is the stuff they don't want you to know? What is the cover-up? What is the corruption? Is there any? And the answer is unambiguously yes. Yes. Uh, Michigan knew uh, last year that Flint's water might be poisoned, but decided we'll just keep this on the hush. We'll just keep this on the down low. You like how I'm going into my quiet storm voice? Yeah. So jumping around a little bit, but in, uh, in January of 2016, when, uh, as, as you had said, Matt, when Governor Snyder came clean about the dangerous levels of lead in Flint and called it a state of emergency, it appears that a study released in September of 2015 concluded that the change put Flint children at, and I'll quote here, a significantly increased risk of lead poisoning. Before we go further, let's talk about why lead poisoning is a big deal. So lead poisoning, uh, which also has a couple interesting names, painter's colic and plumism, like plumber, but plumism, uh, it's, it's a, it's something that happens when you have increased amounts of lead in your body. Lead interferes with a lot of the processes that our bodies depend on, and it can damage your heart, bones, intestines, kidneys, your reproductive, your nervous system. It's all kinds of bad news. Here's one of the big things. It's very, uh, very dangerous to expose children to this. Children are vulnerable because their nervous systems are still developing. So studies show that it can cause significant learning disorders that are permanent, as well as behavioral disorders. In severe cases, it can cause seizures. And in the worst case, it can cause death. So for this kind of exposure, what we're hearing is permanent damage done due to a cover-up, essentially. It seems to show also, according to the ACLU, that the Department of Environmental Quality rigged test results in the water in the summer of 2015 after reports about problems had already been published. Uh, they cite the work of the Virginia Tech folks who were mentioning, who were headed by a guy named Mark Edwards, an engineering professor who studied Flint closely. So... According to uh, Dr. Edwards, the city officials broke federal laws by failing to collect water samples from homes at the highest risk, and they also failed to conduct follow-up tests as required on homes that had high levels. And the uh, DEQ, the Department of Environmental Quality officials who were supervising this, according to Dr. Edwards, made a move to reject two samples collected by the city. Samples that as uh, just maybe this is a coincidence, would have pushed the test results above a level the city was required to alert residents. So it seems that uh, it seems that management already knew, for lack of a better word, and cooperated with one another to cover this up or to delay the release of the news. What 
this all means is that, um, oh, and there's not an emergency manager now. That ended in April of 2015. But what this all means is that this could potentially be a criminal case. And I wanted to ask you guys. Who? Yeah. Should someone be prosecuted? Who? I mean, I would say it would be the guy that that resigned. The uh, the DEQ and the EPA regional admin? Yeah, but I, it's so tricky because, I mean, you have to prove at what stage they knew, mm-hmm. you know, that they were not acting in good faith, mm-hmm. that they were literally acting outside of the scope of their job and obs- obfuscating, you know, facts. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that stuff's really hard to prove, isn't it? You know, it's strange because we do function in a court of public opinion so often nowadays, but for it to be rule of law, there there has to be a provable trail, a provable paper trail, audio conversations, I guess Skype calls, if anyone is still foolish enough to conduct an important conversation on Skype. Sorry, Skype, but you know the deal. I would, yeah, because most of the people who made incorrect decisions here probably had no idea that what they were doing was going to lead to a domino effect to where in the end, children are getting lead poisoning, a pretty heavy lead poisoning, right? They probably thought they were making small, small level decisions to save money, if not cutting corners a bit, right? At least that's what, in my opinion, that's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a really difficult situation because we know that, you know, Flint being one of the most, um, financially, you know, distraught areas in Michigan, which as a state has some real serious problems. I mean, Detroit, you know, declared bankruptcy and they're only just now really starting to rebuild and pull themselves out of that after all these worries they were going to have to sell off the contents of their art museum and, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that just to stay afloat. And as we know, Flint has a real history of dealing with these issues ever since Roger and me, which was in 1989. Um, that is when they lost a lot of their manufacturing jobs. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm, I have a feeling that some of that could have come back, uh-huh. but you know, you know, it's never the same. Mm-hmm. And we know Flint has been having these kinds of problems for a long time. And for, you know, to be a member of the government in a city like this where you're, you know, hamstrung with lack of funds, lack of, you know, really power, having to defer to, you know, Detroit and say, help us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very difficult situation to find yourself in. I do not envy any of those people. And, you know, sometimes you got to make hard decisions and sometimes you mess up. But if they were covering their own, you know, tuckuses, tuckuses, yeah. yeah, trying to protect their own jobs, trying to protect maybe. their own jobs. You know, which compared to some of the folks that this really affected, pretty cushy, you know? I'm glad you bring up that point because this takes us beyond Flint. This is the, this is the larger stuff they don't want you to know for today's episodes. There's an amazing book written called Lead Wars by authors David Rosner and a guy named Gerald Markowitz. And in Lead Wars, they note that yes, Flint's problems are being addressed. It's in the national media now. However, whether or not Flint has highlighted the problems with lead and pipes, there's a bigger thing. Lead is a neurotoxin, and it can be found on walls, in the soil, in the air, and even a small exposure can again impair brain development. Uh, It can cause hyperactivity, dyslexia, ADD, IQ loss. So... 
when we talk about how far back we knew lead was bad for you, Rosner argues that it goes back to the 1910s and the 1920s when doctors were documenting children who had lead on their fingers as a dust and put their hands in their mouth and began going into seizures. You don't need a lot of this stuff. But the average can of paint from the 1990s to 1950 contained like 50% lead carbonate. Which yeah. is, so, and it's all, it's slapdashed all over, uh, the, the walls of older places. There were advertising things that said lead is much cleaner than wallpaper. Look how slick it is. Use lead. Uh, there was even a scandal in DC about lead and drinking. And it's tough for us to predict how far this will go. We do know that it over, like, that it, <clears throat> it tends to affect people in disadvantaged communities, minorities, more than it affects other parts of the population. I mean, and there are safeguards in place. Like I know, for example, when I bought my home um, several years ago, they have to disclose, you know, that because of the age of the home, that that's possible that lead paint was used. And then you have to do things to ensure that there's no lead paint remaining. I mean, you know, that's up to you, I guess, but they let you know that, hey, there's this possible there's lead paint in here. And it reminds me of, you know, the high school that I went to. There was a whole period where they realized, oh, well, there's a lot of asbestos still in this building. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge deal where they had to, like, bring in these crews and pull this stuff out. But like you said, I mean, a lot of these, um, these folks are renting, you know, maybe their landlords haven't taken the steps to do some of sure. these things. Or maybe they got around it somehow. What, what Rosner Markowitz said that I, I, recommend highly this interview they did with uh, NPR and the book itself. They found an active conspiracy by the lead industry. And I know it might sound ridiculous for me to say big lead, but that's exactly what it was. Uh, that, that was similar to uh, some of the stuff the tobacco industry did when uh, the carcinogenic effects of cigarettes and uh, dip and all this other stuff came to light. The lead industry went around the country saying, telling doctors, you haven't completely proved the lead is the cause of children going into convulsions and kids dying. So uh you need to do some more sophisticated studies. You need x-rays. You need, like, a variety of other techniques or whatever. But the problem is this led to a vastly underestimated number of lead poisoning cases because if they were not recognized – it looked like maybe they had a high fever or another kind of thing. But what the lead industry did to take this conflation of symptoms uh, and use it to their advantage was to say uh, lead poisoning was overstated and the doctors were misdiagnosing children. And now that leads us to a situation we have today where an infrastructure is in danger and where where if something unexpected or bad happens the results can quickly get out of control so listeners out there what do you think i mean what where do you who, where do you think that the um, the responsibility falls in situations like these um are there any folks out there that are in flint right now i know matt you said you have family there we'd love to hear from anyone that's experienced this stuff firsthand um because it is like you said ultimately a problem that's bigger than flint but flint really puts a spotlight on what can happen when these age aging infrastructures go you know, let, are, are left unrepaired and they're continued to deteriorate. Yeah, yeah. Or are you in Cleveland and someone in your family is dealing with lead poisoning from government housing on the walls from the lead paint? 
So let us know. You can reach us uh, on Twitter, where we're at Conspiracy Stuff, on Facebook, where we're Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. And if you go to that Facebook page, you can watch us live every once in a while on Fridays. We'll we'll do a live show there. We also are on Periscope every once in a while. You can find us through our Twitter account. Yeah, and those are a lot of fun because you can ask questions in real time, and we have a lot of fun just kind of like fielding them and throwing yeah. them back and forth, and it's a really cool way to just kind of hang out with everybody. We'll have special guests every once in a while. Absolutely. And if you don't want to do any of that stuff and you just want to talk to us, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.